Hi, everyone. Thank you for choosing to come to this breakout session. In this session, we'll be discussing how to realize business process automation through crowdsourcing. So first off, let me introduce myself. My name is Mark Chen, and I'm currently the general manager for the requester side of uh, Amazon Mechanical Turk. And so my goal, my focus, is to make sure uh, requesters, which are many of you kind of in this room, uh, have an easy time to be able to get work done within Amazon Mechanical Turk and use that to solve your problems. I've been at Amazon for more than 12 years now and actually started on this team when I first joined Amazon 12 years ago. I was a product manager at the time and I launched several of the developer-facing features on Mechanical Turk, such as the SDKs, uh, the command line tools, as well as developer sandbox. Since then, after about a year, I moved over to the Amazon.com side of the world, so the retail site that hopefully many of you are customers of, and spent the next six and a half years of my career there building new customer experiences uh, on Amazon. The last three and a half of that, I was in fashion, uh, trying to help customers be able to shop for fashion online, and uh, was a very interesting challenge, since it's very different than shopping for books. In many ways, it's almost opposite. So did that, and uh, decided to come back to Mechanical Turk. I love this space, I love this passion, and been back on this team uh, for the past four years. And so I'm super excited to be here and walk everyone through how Mechanical Turk can solve your business problems. So here's a high-level agenda of what we'll be talking about today. So one, we'll start off with a little bit of a introduction to MTurk, uh, business process automation, what is it, uh, how to use it and then provide some examples of how customers are using MTurk today for business process automation. I'll then have a two customer guest speakers uh, who will share their experience using MTurk. So we have David here from US Foods, David Falk, and Andy Halal from Indeed, who will be kind of sharing with you their experiences using MTurk for their business processes um, in a lot of detail as to kind of what they learned uh, with MTurk. And then after, you guys are all excited about, wow, this is really cool, like how do I get started? That's when I'll go into how to actually use MTurk to, uh, to do business process automation. <clears throat> all right, so let's first start off with the introduction to, to MTurk. So first of all, like, what is crowdsourcing? You know, in a nutshell, it's harnessing the collective power of many individuals. So a common example of this is like Wikipedia. You know, to build the world's biggest and most comprehensive encyclopedia <clears throat> seems like a pretty daunting task for an individual, even for a company to solve. However, by taking a big problem and breaking it down to smaller ones that can be solved by lots of people, we're able to achieve some amazing things. This is the essence of crowdsourcing. It empowers individuals to contribute based on their areas of expertise rather than relying on a small centralized group. By distributing the work globally and having mechanisms where the community can not only contribute but also review in a collaborative manner, Wikipedia has millions of articles that are updated every day and with thousands of new articles being added every day. So what is Mechanical Turk? It's essentially an online crowdsourcing marketplace for work that requires human intelligence. So on one side of the marketplace, we have requesters. These are customers who have business problems to solve that require tasks to be completed by people. Most people in this room here are potential requesters. On the other side are workers. So these are individuals who are willing to do tasks for a reward. Workers are not Amazon employees and are regular people just like, like you and I. Anyone can become a worker on MTurk, and you can kind of think of them more as contractors. There are workers across genders, age, cultures, and other demographics. And we have over half a million workers across 190 countries. 
MTurk itself is a marketplace where we provide requesters with programmatic access via the AWS APIs to reach a diverse on-demand workforce. And just like any other AWS service, MTurk is on-demand, elastic, and you only pay for what you use. So what kind of work is on MTurk? Well, it's generally micro work. These are typically small, repeatable tasks where when combined together, they solve a bigger problem. This is what MTurk is designed for. It's less suitable for project-based work where there's a lot of back and forth communication between a requester and a worker. Uh, so common use cases of MTurk would be data labeling for machine learning, uh, moderating user-generated content, data categorization, data collection, and, and cleanup. So let's say you have a list of tasks on that side of that little spreadsheet looking thing there that need to be completed. So you could ask each task to be completed by a worker to complete, so that's one example there. Or if you want to increase accuracy, you could take, have multiple workers, like in that example in the middle, three of them to answer that, that task. And then you take the consensus answer as being kind of the answer that you go with. Or you can create multiple stages, so have one worker do the work and have someone else validate the work. So here are some of the broad set of customers uh, using Mechanical Turk today. You know, customers ranging from Pinterest, Baidu, and Allen Institute for uh, use MTurk for machine learning. We have Zillow and CSATs for human insight, and WikiHow and US Foods for BPA. So what is business process automation? Well, according to Wikipedia, uh, business process automation, or BPA for short, not the uh, chemical that we all, we had some last minute slide changes to address that. Uh, is technology-enabled automation of complex business processes. So there are some advantages to BPA, such as it, it automates repetitive tasks and rule-based decisions. It can streamline processes to increase accuracy and improve operational efficiency. It can reduce cost of labor and overhead. And lastly, it increases the ability for the business to scale with growth. So how do you kind of choose the right processes to use with MTurk? Well, one segment broken down into smaller and simpler tasks. You know, tasks that don't require too much context, and can handle high turnover. So it should be relatively easy for someone to learn how to complete the task. And lastly, tasks that don't require workers to handle confidential or critical company data. So here are some common uh, business uh, use cases for, for MTurk. So data collection and gathering, where you can ask workers to go to a website and extract, extract some information. Or content moderation, such as workers reviewing user-generated content against a set of guidelines. We also have uh, image, text, audio, video transcription. You ask workers to type out the text contained in an image or listen to a short audio clip and transcribe. Categorization, such as asking workers to categorize products like a shoe into a subcategory, like is this a loafer? And lastly, data validation, Asking workers to validate, yeah, maybe are these two product detail pages the same product? So what are some advantages for using MTurk for business process automation? Well, one, cost savings. You save in costs because you avoid the overhead and fixed costs associated with managing and hiring a temporary workforce. If you're using your own employees, you'll have to free them up for more higher value work. You can easily scale up and down and you can use as much or as little as you need based on your demand. There are no contracts or minimum spend requirements. You also get the flexibility of a 24-7 global workforce to complete your work whenever needed. And lastly, you get diversity. 
you get access to half a million workers across 190 countries, across various demographics. So, how do you find opportunities to use Emturk in your company? Well, you know, look for situations where you have large teams of temporary or contract workers, or processes that have already been outsourced to an external firm. Well, look for teams that are doing repetitive, uh, low-context tasks, or teams that are challenged with dealing with spikes in, in the workload, or you just need to have 24-7 coverage. So I'm going to start walking you through some of the customers that are using Emtrick um, or BPA today. So here's an example. We have an online travel marketplace company. So they need help to moderate and categorize hotel images that are uploaded by their users. So to solve this problem, they send the user-generated images uh, to Emtrick in real time for workers to, uh, to review. And the task is asking workers to review the image against a set of guidelines, such as is it blurry, is, you know, is there a primary object or focus, and then categorize this image into you know, what is this image of. So in this instance here, it's of a guest room. The end result is that these user-generated photos are then properly moderated and categorized before they go live on the site. The most relevant photos are surfaced in the right hotel listings under the right category. This improves the customer experience when browsing for hotels and reduces complaints from the hotels themselves when they find issues with user-generated and uh, user-provided photos of their properties. Another company, here's an online job search portal. So they need help keeping information in their Salesforce database up to date of their customers. So to solve their problem, they extract the website URL of all their Salesforce records and submit them to Mturk. And they ask workers to go to the company's website and then confirm the content information that's listed there is still valid if the company has been acquired and collect any other updated data points. The end result is that Salesforce contains sales data, accurate contact information, uh, and accurate you know, kind of company information that allows the sales teams to be much more efficient when exploring new leads. Here we have a customer travel information service. So they need help to confirm that the restaurants that are recommending to customers are still in business uh, and they make sure their information they provided is up to date. And so to solve this problem, they use Mturk to gather up to date information on their recommended restaurants. So they send a task to workers, they go to the restaurant's website, and they confirm that, hey, is this, business still in, is this restaurant still in business? Update hours of operation, any other kind of details they want to have about the restaurant. And naturally, the end result is now customers of theirs are able to get updated information on, on restaurant recommendations while they're traveling. Here's a company in the disaster assessment business. So they need help to quickly assess the damage to buildings after a major disaster and take the appropriate action. And so to solve this problem, they take recent satellite imagery in an area that has just you know, recently experienced disaster and send it to Mturk for damage assessment. The task is to ask workers to look at the picture and the images and assess you know, the level of um, damage and categorize it based on a set of criteria. And the end results now are that there are now faster response times and more accurate decision making after a major disaster. So next, I'm going to introduce you to two customer speakers that will be sharing their experiences of using Mturk for BPA. So David Falk from US Foods and Andy Hill from Indeed. David, take it away. Thanks, Mark. All right. Uh, just curious, before I introduce myself, how many of you have requested work to Mechanical Turk before? I know you have. 
All right, we're going to turn a couple of you into requesters today, so hopefully. Uh, my name is David Falk, and I work for US Foods and uh, Food Genius. So Food Genius was a startup in Chicago, was purchased by US Foods a couple of years ago, and I took over almost two years ago. And uh, we're focused on uh, really data analytics in the food service space. And things like uh, what are restaurant uh, op you know, opening hours, or um, does this restaurant serve vegetarian options, or organic fare, or vegan, you know, vegan food? These are the types of questions that we can ask the Turkers to verify for us uh, you know, out, out in the field. And at the end of the day, what we're doing with all of this data is trying to provide really uh, fresh, accurate data to our sellers out in the field. Our sellers are selling food to restaurants. So if you've eaten in any restaurants or casinos here, you've probably eaten a US Foods customer. Does that make sense? All right. Unless it was a bad meal, then it wasn't us. <laughs> All right. But that's, that's what we're trying to do, is really just provide business intelligence to our users out in the field. Eventually, uh, next year, in the first quarter, second quarter, we're going to start pumping some of this data into our e-commerce platform, too. So US Foods does about 24 to $26 billion in revenue every year. And about 65 70% of that flows through our e-commerce site. So we're going to have a lot more uh, influence on the sales that are coming through uh, uh, Q1 and Q2 next year all with uh, mechanical Dirk, Turk data coming, coming through uh, the system. So. so the Food Genius team, I mentioned it was a startup. Uh, still very much a startup. When I took over, there were really only three or four people. Um, I didn't really count myself as a whole person until I understood what the heck was going on. But <laughs> we've, got, we've got about eight or nine people now, depending on uh, how many consultants we have in place. Uh, but we're really small. And we're essentially the R&D, the research and development arm of US Foods. Uh, and U.S. Foods, like I said, is this huge food service company, second biggest in the country, uh, and there's a lot of customers. They have hundreds of thousands of customers. We're focused mostly on the independent restaurants, which comprises of about 150,000 restaurants across the country. Uh, so there's a lot of experiments that we wanted to do early on, and uh, we started using Mechanical Turk because I'd had experience with it in the past. I'm a big Mechanical Turk fanboy, to be honest. So. Uh, that's my reveal. Uh, I love Mechanical Turk. I've had some experience with crowdsourcing, and US Foods had some uh, experience with crowdsourcing in the past, too. So uh, it was just kind of an easy pitch to say, hey, can we take some of this external data that we've collected already through, uh, you know, through other means? Uh, for example, uh, the business website or the, the restaurant website or menu URLs were all in our salesforce.com uh, CRM. And I, one of the first things I did with Mechanical Turk was to validate the accuracy of that data in, in, in Salesforce. And we got some uh, pretty good results out of that. So that was an easy pitch and to, to continue on doing more and more Mechanical Turk work. So what can you do with clean, uh, trustworthy, fresh data? Uh, lots of interesting things. Creating uh, cool heat maps and <laughs> mobile apps for your sales team. You can also uh, create recommendation engines, which is exactly what we've built. Most of 2018, my team was focused on building this recommendation engine. We just went live in October, and we've generated opportunities in Salesforce through our recommendations that total somewhere between 300,000 and 500,000 uh, in reoccurring revenue for, for a year. 
looking at the kind of the sticky products that are they're, you know, just staying in, in their customers' shopping carts uh, over time. So we recommend brisket or carrots or Brussels sprouts. And if that customer keeps buying it over time, in the last eight weeks, we've already added hundreds of thousands of, uh, of, of uh, value to the, to the company's uh, bottom line. Um, and it's all because we have this reliable data from Mechanical Turk. So one of uh, the, the workflows I wanted to show it's, this one's really simple. It's asking the Turkers, the workers, so have you heard the term Turkers before? We call them Turkers. I think most people do. I don't know. Um, the, these are the people that are doing the work for you out uh, in the crowd. So we've asked the Turkers, hey, can you help us find the real websites, the real menus, the real reviews or social media sites for this, that are related to this restaurant? And Oftentimes, we'll start with a URL. Sometimes we won't. Sometimes we'll just have the address and the phone number and other information in our CRM. And they'll give us the, the information that we need. And you might ask, OK, well, how can you trust that information? Uh, one of the key things that we learned a little bit, it was very early on, but I wish we'd done it from the beginning, uh, was to do uh, this, ask the same question multiple times. So right now, we're asking three people the same question. Hey, what's the you know, menu website for? You know, this particular restaurant. And if we get back three of the same answers, we're we feel pretty confident that we got the right answer. Right? We're talking about like five cents or 10 cents per task. So it's not a lot of money to get clean, fresh data that, that you can feel confident in. Does that make sense? All right. This is my favorite workflow. We have about 12 or 13 now, depending on how you count. But I love this one, because it really took a while to kind of whiteboard this out. And people thought I was crazy. Uh, but it works, uh, for the most part. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, a menu. Uh, it's a PDF, an image PDF that we can't process automatically, just using code, you know, kind of scraping it. And what we've uh, asked the Turkers to do in this particular case is, you know, please prove to us that there's something on the menu that uh, indicates that there's a veg vegetarian options available at this restaurant. So, Using HTML and JavaScript CSS, we give this task to the, to the Turkers, and they draw a box around the section of the menu that's of interest to us. And then we take the coordinates of that box, crop the image, uh, clean it up a little bit, and, and set it through our optical character recognition system, or OCR. And if we can get legible text out of that, then we're good. Um, if we can't, then we go through another Turk workflow and ask them, hey, here's an image with some text on it. Can you please type the text that's in this image? You can transcribe this for us. <laughs> and would you know it, it works really well. So the other thing to call out to you is uh, one, one of the things that we didn't take into consideration when we first started this process was we, we're, you know, we knew we were going to get a lot of data, uh, we, but we, stupidly, we didn't think through how, you know, how are we going to QA this? How are we going to feel confident in this data? And what we uh, learned easy on or early on, uh, was that we needed to take into consideration the payment for the task. So sometimes the tasks we were sending out, we were just automatically charging five, you know, or paying five cents for this task. But we really didn't take into account the amount of time it took to do that task. So doing a little bit of research and following the for forums, so the Turkers are all in these forums, they talk about you, and they talk about me, and they talk about all the other jobs that they're doing, and they share information. Uh, it's a real community. And you can learn a lot from going into these forums and, and just you know, kind of getting, getting the vibe for you know, what's going on. And it, it really helps you understand like, how to price these things. It also um, helps in terms of uh, cl writing clear instructions for, for the Turkers. 
Um, and the thing that I'll, I like to call out when we have new people join us on our team or when we're doing lunch and learns at US Foods and uh, proselytizing for Mechanical Turk and selling internally, uh, you really have to take into account that these are real people behind the API. You might be able to uh, access them through the API, through the command line interface, but at the end of the day, they still have opinions and feelings and we want to get paid well and they want to understand what they're doing. So it's really key. Sounds simple, but well, we, we, we've done that one originally. So. <laughs> Um, so that's the key learning. The second big learning was with the manual verification, uh, I mentioned this earlier, our one of our first tasks, we had 4,500 URLs come back. I'm like, this is great. Oh, how do we verify this? And then we sat and we thought and we whiteboarded and we're like, oh my gosh, we could just use Mechanical Turk to do the QA work for us. <laughs> so we created another task and basically said, okay, here's all the information we have about this restaurant. Here's a URL. You know, do these match up? And uh, that helped us a lot. Uh, but what we, what we realized, too, that we, we weren't quite there because our coverage was pretty low. We were expecting to get about 60% of the restaurant, independent restaurants out there to have some sort of website or menu online. And we only got about 30%. And what we realized was you know, we did everything I, I mentioned. Uh, we, we kind of built up the crowd, gave them you know, better pay, and made things a lot clearer for them. But what we didn't realize was sometimes the crowd will give you information that you didn't expect. So there's a lot of <laughs> things you can learn from the crowd just by talking to them, emailing them, listening to them, going on the forums, and understanding what they're, what they're saying. And what we realized was with this, this coverage of 30%, we weren't getting the other 30% because we weren't asking the questions correctly. So when we realized that there's a lot of, for some reason, there's a lot of restaurants out there that with websites with no menus. I don't know why. Uh, but by tweaking the, the, the message, by tweaking the questions that we're asking of the Turkers, we get a lot clearer data. And you know, some of the Turkers told us, but well, you, you said we shouldn't be using these types of URLs or you know, these domains for, for, for menu information or website information. But if you did, you know, you'll have a lot better coverage. So we, we, we tweaked that and we got a lot better uh, information uh, on, on the next try, just by listening to the Turkers. So again, our manual work from what went from within the series of, of three, uh, three uh, experiments went from 100% to about 50% to less than 25% as we made refinements to the process. And I think that's really key here. You, you need to you know, come up with a process, and you're, you're, you're pretty good, right? You can scale this thing up. You can run it uh, thousands or hundreds of thousands of times. But there, there still might be tweaks as you go along. You might need to make uh, you know, a little bit of uh, adjustments here and there. And Mechanical Turk makes it really easy to do that. And again, talk to your workers. They're human beings. There's no, uh, there's no shame in learning things that you didn't know uh, from uh, anonymous people out in the crowd. I do it all the time. <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of information to be had. I, say we, I, I would say we came up with about three or four of the original tasks and the other uh, eight or nine of them came from just conversations we've had with the Turkers uh, on, on how we might be able to get better, fresher, more accurate data about our customers out in the field, uh, out to the field. So again, uh, it's not too hard to get started with, with crowdsourcing using Mechanical Turk. Uh, you shouldn't be afraid to try uh, with something kind of small. It's uh, relatively inexpensive. You can get results back very quickly. 
and uh, you know, you, 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 it's very, very easy to iterate and to make adjustments as, as you go forward. Remember, listen to your workers, uh, develop effective tasks, and uh, just keep track of, of your results, uh, keep, keep track of some metrics as you go along. Uh, you can gather a lot of these through the forums and through the conversations for the Turkers also. And uh, again, they're just, you know, they're human beings. Uh, make sure you realize that and uh, pay them well, talk to them, and you'll probably have a, a lot of success like we have so far. Um, we did a whole bunch of mechanical Turk work this year, um, and I think we're going to triple or quadruple the work that we've, that, that we've done this year next year. So that's how, much that we, that's how much we love mechanical Turk and how much value we've gotten out of this. So uh, on to Andy. Um, I'm Indeed, and I'm uh, Andy, and I work at Indeed, where we do one thing, we help people get jobs. And um, today I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about a certain category of job that we um, use Mechanical Turk to help us learn about and add to our search index. Um, and those are local jobs that are advertised simply with a paper sign in the store window. Um, how can you possibly create a digital index of every restaurant in the world that's hung up a sign saying dishwasher wanted? Well, that's my product, that's what we do, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about how we do it. We do use MTurk for content moderation and some classification work that's really key to this. And I'm gonna talk um, in numbers about the results and impact that we saw from moving to MTurk for this and some of the learnings um, that we gained about how to make this work. So just a quick visual introduction. Um, Indeed um, has gotten really good over the last 12 years at crawling the web and finding any job listing that's on a job board or a company career site, and we aggregate that into the best job search experience that exists. But we're not content to uh, stop there. Um, small businesses are a big part of the economy, and um, often they're looking for hyper-local candidates who can walk in the door and begin working really quickly. Um, and so the only way they will list their job is like this example, Iris Flowers and Gift Shop, help wanted in the window. Um, we want to have this job too. All jobs, one search, including this job. So how can we get all of these jobs um, across, across the country? Um, this, is, this is what JobSpotter does. JobSpotter is an app for iOS and Android. Um, it's available to the public. All of you can try it. I hope some of you will. When you download it, all we ask you to do is anytime you're out and about and you pass a business that has a hiring sign in the window, pull out the app and take two pictures. One picture of the hiring sign, the now hiring, and then second, step back and take a photo of the business sign so we can tell who the employer is. And that pink arrow is where a lot of the magic happens. But after the magic is done, what we get is a job listing on Indeed.com for a cashier at Muya Burger at this address. Um, you know, click here to get directions. And um, these jobs have been really, really popular with job seekers who are looking for um, something with a low barrier of entry that's local, that they can go out and apply for right now. Um, but we've got a real challenge. Um, we, you know, when our users are walking down the street and they happen to see a job sign, they don't want to stop for five minutes and do a bunch of data entry for us. We really try to make that experience as fast as we can. Like snap, snap, and they move on. We have to do everything else, and that includes figuring out, well, which business is depicted in these photos, 
And this is an example um, that I love to point to because while, yes, we do optical character recognition on these photos and we pull the text out, OCR is crazy good these days. I mean, what you see on the right is what the computer has pulled out of this photo, and it includes the name of all those menu items that are pictured along the bottom of the photo. Um, it's really pretty hard um, from an automated standpoint to just pull out Super Rico Pollo the way that a human can, the way everybody in this room probably did in like one second as the name of this restaurant. And this is where bringing in human intelligence via MTurk helps us complement our automated processes. And with every, um, with every task they perform builds a set of training data that we can build enhanced machine learning on in the future. So the main things that we're looking for humans to judge um, are let's figure out what's the business that's being depicted, but we don't stop there. Really, um, because this is user-generated content um, and indeed has high standards for what we'll publish online as a job listing, there are a number of criteria that are sometimes really pretty subtle and that um, have been really difficult for us to detect and screen automatically, things like um, this flyer, which, is, which says, uh, become a nationally certified fitness instructor or a personal trainer. Somebody found a little box with these flyers in it and said, hey, there's a job sign. I'll send it to JobSpotter. This is not really a job. This is a professional training program that you're probably going to pay for, and it's not an employment opportunity, and we would screen that out. Like, I can see how the user made the mistake, but we need someone to, to screen this out. We don't accept volunteer positions. Um, we also screen out emergency services because um, we don't want their phone numbers to, to ring off the hook once they're published online. And if you have a, a job sign that says, um, now hiring girls for sales positions, we consider that discriminatory and it doesn't meet our standards. And all of these subtle um, distinctions, we really have gotten a ton of bang for the buck out of uh, human workers where we haven't necessarily had the engineering resources to spare on the sophisticated machine learning we would need to fully automate it. There's also a whole unknown unknown category of risks that we're asking our workers to help us mitigate. This is user-generated content. Anybody can download this app and submit pictures, which we're potentially going to put on our, on our website. Um, they might be super low quality, blurry. Um, it might be unclear. They might have photographed multiple businesses. Just it's confusing to show to job seekers. Um, there might be a person who walked through the frame, and we don't want to publish, um, you know, bystanders' photos online without their permission. Um, so our workers help us screen these things out, and, and it goes all the way on up to um, pure fraud. We pay JobSpotter users in Amazon gift cards for every legitimate job sign that they acquire for us. And anything that uh, allows you to make money be can become a target for gaming fraud. And in this example, you can see um, a, a really low-quality printout that someone uh, made at home and then went into a mall, taped it up to one shop after another, and submitted them all to JobSpotter. Well, you know, this is pretty hard to screen out um, because in any mall, every shop will frequently use exactly the same standard issue sign. It says, like, career opportunities, career opportunities. So we can't just say, well, the text is the same in all of them. They must be fraud. But a human that looks at this can say, look at that. It's like a printout. It's folded the same way. And the, the worker's uh, spidey sense um, has been super, super useful to us. 
not only in finding the kinds of fraud that we've seen before, but in helping us like sniff out kinds that we've never seen before. Um, and I just don't know how we would, we, we would really substitute for that human intuition. But um, that's a little touchy-feely, so let's talk hard numbers. At Indeed, um, we're data-driven. And I wish I could say that uh, every project I've led, my team had these kind of numbers to turn in. Uh, we began with a nearshore vendor um, with full-time contractors doing these tasks for us and transitioned to MTurk over about nine months. Um, so it, it took us some time and effort to, to get to these results, but, but here's uh, what we were able to, to do. Um, first of all, our nearshore vendor was Monday through Friday, 9 through 5 Central Time, United States. And that didn't really work for us because job spotters in the US, UK, and Australia were getting user submissions around the clock. And when people try out our app, they want to get their submission processed and either approved or rejected, and they want to get their gift card quickly to just realize, hey, this app is for real. It's not a scam. I can actually make money doing this. And when people get that feedback more rapidly, and we've tested this, they're much more engaged and they retain um, much longer. And by moving from a Monday through Friday um, vendor to MTurk, which is basically available on demand around the clock, the 90th percentile speed of completion of moderating our user submissions went from 47 hours to 34 minutes. Um, it's, it's really pretty ridiculous. Um, just having weekend and nighttime availability and not having a giant bunch of submissions save up over the weekend and then hit us on Monday um, has, and the ability to, to just scale infinitely has, has been tremendous. And we do measure the quality of, um, of our vendors and we found MTurk was like almost exactly on par with the vendor that we were working with and paying um, several times the cost to, went from um, 47 hours to 34 minutes, 50 cents to seven cents. Like I said, I wish every project that I led with my team had these kind of numbers to turn in at the end of it. So let's talk a little bit about how, like the nuts and bolts of how you set this up, because it's a fantastic resource, but as a requester, there are, um, and David, you did a great job talking about like things you can do right or wrong to really um, get the best results. And a couple of the things that we've learned, I'm just gonna, just gonna pass along here. Um, it's, it's common, I think, for some other requesters I've seen to like publish like a, a two-page list of instructions. Here's what we want you to do, here's our standards, here's our guidelines, here's the 24 bullet points you're looking for. And then they'll show you a photo and they'll say approve or disapprove. And it's kind of bewildering because it's like you really have to load that entire set of guidelines into memory and uh, keep it there while you're working. We decided to atomize every single task um, that, or every single criterion that we were asking our workers to review. So is this, this business? Yes, no. Are there recognizable people? Yes, no. Is this a photo of a computer screen? Yes, no. And each one of those has detailed help content available in a little pop-up window that they can always refer back to if they're in doubt or they hit an edge case, um, or they've forgotten, well, what are the criteria again? Um, this eliminated a lot of hassle for us, and by atomizing each one of these inputs, we're also collecting much better training data for the future. Like right now, we don't have an automated way to detect that um, someone has Googled up um, now hiring sign and just taken a picture of it. People try this, um, and we, we catch them all manually, but 
we've been catching them manually for a year. So when we finally get around to building um, a machine learning process for detecting that automatically, we've got that individual um, radio button there to refer back to. We've collected that individual uh, training data that we can use later. So atomizing the, the task down into simple elemental choices, simple series of yes, no's, we found really, really improved our results and keeps our, our options open for the future. And uh, I think it's been said before, but um, assume goodwill. Like, we went into MTurk kind of paranoid. Like, this is like a faceless cloud of people, and they're going to, like, take our money and push a bunch of buttons. And it's kind of scary, right? You don't know who they are. They're, they don't seem accountable to you. Um, and we went in in a kind of guarded and paranoid way. And actually, in some ways, we, we built our paranoia into our tool. We made it more difficult to use and slower to use because uh, people, you know, we, our attitude was like, no, it shouldn't be fast. They should have to take more time and go slow. We don't want people just zipping through. But we were unprepared for like the quality of participation that we got from workers. Um, people really wanted to do the best job possible. And when the tool was getting in their way, they would let us know that and say, hey, I could actually do a lot more for you. And I would spend more time on your stuff if you would just like solve some of these tooling issues. So we actually took our tools back to our UX department and gave them the same design treatment that we give our production services on Indeed um, and made them as fast and as clear and as usable and ergonomic as we could. And, uh, and, and we, we haven't looked back. Um, the level of engagement that we've gotten from workers sending in questions or, um, hey, I found an edge case. You know, What do you think I should do about it? Let's talk. Um, or let me give you some general feedback um, about your content or just how am I doing, or I think I made a mistake yesterday, sorry, can I take it back? Um, we were just surprised at the level of kind of genuine um, and conscientious and high quality participation that we got, even though folks are scattered around the world. I talked a little bit about um, contextual help content um, and keeping reference materials on hand as people are working. They're not necessarily gonna sit down and do your stuff all day. They may be load balancing between a few requesters um, and it's important to make it easy for them to refresh what exactly is it you're asking them to do again, uh, make those resources available, show examples. We, um, we use kind of, um, I, I, the, the term is golden questions, but it's like we, we'll slip in some tasks where we already know what, what the answer is and um, it's unambiguously A, not B, and we're just checking to see that, that people are awake and um, not on autopilot. And uh, if, if a worker gets one of those wrong, we use the messaging system on MTurk to reject their answer, which kind of goes on their record, and that gets their attention because they're no longer 100% accept rate. They're now 99, and that's like, man, that really gets their attention. <laughs> um, but we also send them like a really detailed message, like here's a URL, click here on this date at this time. You saw this, and you said, that this photo of Burger King was a McDonald's. Um, and that's been really, really impactful for us. People have come back from that and said, like, man, I just, my, my, I clicked too fast, and uh, I'm really going to try to harp better next time. Like, sorry. Um, that was really, really impactful and saved us a lot of email. Also, pricing. I, I believe David mentioned this as well. We got to a point where we had come down from 47 hours to two hours, and we really wanted to get under an hour. I'd had this quarterly goal for a while, 
and people were like, well, you know, you didn't hit your quarterly goal of an hour, but you started at 47 and you got to two, so you know, you're done, you're, you're good. Um, and then I, I just wanted to try one more thing before we moved on, and I said, we're paying five cents for this task, let's just try six. And immediately slammed the door from two hours down to the, the 32 minutes, because it literally was just like, there's a tipping point where the, you know, the, the pay per hour is just like a little bit below the, the tipping point, and the top workers aren't that interested in your task. There are others that they're more interested in, and that's where their attention will go. Um, and so just by adding that sixth cent, um, we, got a, we got a ton more engagement. Actually, we, we got a lot of negative email about that too because people couldn't, couldn't get our tasks as often anymore. They were just getting snapped up more quickly. <laughs> like, how oh, come I can't get your work anymore? Like, sorry, we priced it correctly. Um, and then finally, um, and this took a while, but we realized that even though we'd been working with MTurk for like six months, we were still getting a lot of like beginner questions from people who just kind of walked in and decided to do our work. And we said, well, what if we look at all the workers who've touched our tasks and we just like choose the best ones and only allow them to work with us from now on? There's a feature called qualifications which allows you to say which workers can and can't do your work. You can create a custom qualification and grant it manually. You can create a test that they need to complete to a certain um, score, and then they'll earn the qualification to do your work. So we just did an analysis of all the workers uh, we saw. We looked for ones who had done high volume at high quality, and we granted them the, the qualification to do our tasks. And suddenly we had a core of 40 people um, who we notified and we said, by the way, you're the only people who will be able to work on our stuff from now on. You'll see our work more often and more of it. Um, so we hope we will uh, be a, a more important requester to you now and we'd like to have a relationship with you. We're pleased with what you did. Uh, would you like to be a part of this? And the response from that was totally overwhelming and we now have like personal relationships with these individuals. Um, they're very, they're even more conscientious than before. Accuracy has gone up because they don't want to lose that special status. Um, and that was really, really key for us. And uh, when it's 40 people, like, you can, you can email 40 people. You can say, hey, we've had a change in our criteria. Here are the details. Please keep this in mind. You can't necessarily do that when it's a wide open door and anyone can walk in any time. So this is probably not you know, a tactic for everybody, but it was, it was really impactful for us. And, and again, just to underline David's point, talk to your workers. Um, we're at a point where the, the workers, the closed set of workers that we work with are so practiced at our tasks that um, we don't have to talk to them that much anymore about the basics, but they do send us alerts about emerging patterns. Um, like I said, sometimes there are fraud campaigns that they're the first ones to sniff out, or they'll say, you know, ever since the cold weather came, I noticed a lot of users are taking low quality photos without getting out of their car. Like, should I be approving those? And we're like, oh yeah, it is getting colder. Um, maybe we should like institute a new guideline about that. So they're really out on the field in the front line and bringing us more advanced issues that we just weren't even aware of. So they're a valuable source of business intelligence um, that you want to keep close and stay in touch with. And uh, I think that's what I brought. Back to Mark. Cool. Thank Thanks, David. Andy, for sharing with us your experience with choosing the Turk. 
So now that everyone's excited on what Android <laughs> can do for their business, I'm excited. That was, that was just awesome. Let's get into details of how to actually get started to use Android for BPA. So let's first go through a quick primer. I know uh, both Dave and Andy talked about some concepts and I kind of walk everyone through that. Um, so first, start with requesters. So they are the ones who have a set of tasks that need to be completed by workers. So in this case, there's a list of uh, tasks that need to be done. When a task is loaded in MTurk, it's called a human intelligence task, or HIT for short. So I think Andy and Dave both mentioned uh, the concept of HITs. The next step, though, is to specify how many unique workers that you want to complete the HIT by specifying the number of assignments. So if you only want one worker, you would create one assignment. In this diagram, we're showing that they want that task to be done by three workers. So in this case, you create three assignments. And a lot of times, requesters do this, to use multiple assignments uh, in order to improve accuracy because they can take the majority result of all of the submissions uh, for the, you know, the, the desired answer. So this is really good for tasks that are more subjective in nature, such as if an image is inappropriate or not. And so asking more unique workers to make determination can increase the likelihood of getting the desired result and mitigate any type of bias. Lastly, we have a concept called qualifications. So requesters can specify the set of qualifications that a worker must have in order to uh, complete the task. So requesters can uh, create their own qualifications as well and assign to workers which can give requesters a great deal of control over their workforce. There are also qualifications that Mechanical Turk assigns to workers. Uh, it's automatically assigned to just the country the worker is, uh, is in, as well as how many hits the worker has completed to make it easy for requesters to have experienced workers completing their tasks. So we'll go into details about qualifications in just a little bit. So there are generally high, uh, six high-level steps for using MTurk for BPA. So we'll go through each one of these steps in, in more detail. So first, you start off by figuring out what's your workflow. Like, how are you going to take your, uh, your problem and break it down into smaller tasks, and how does the flow from workers' uh, submissions over into your system? Then you'll design the tasks for workers to complete. You'll define the workforce of who gets to work on these tasks. You'll load these tasks into Mechanical Turk and have workers will be able to go on the website, look for them, and uh, accept and submit uh, the answers. And then once heads are completed, you would retrieve the results, look at the data uh, for quality, and process it in your backend systems. And the most important step here that both David and um, Andy both mentioned is the, you refine the process. You continue iterating. So by looking at uh, each iteration, you're making improvements to your throughput, you're making improvements to your quality, as well as cost by adjusting all the different levels uh, that you have there. So the first step is defining the workflow. So here, your objective is to define how to break complex tasks down into simple, discrete tasks that workers can work on. You'll also be determining how you want your data flows to you know, move from task to task, as oftentimes a complex problem requires several smaller tasks to be done in a specific order to get the desired result. So let's use a concrete example to illustrate this process. So here is an overall task to find the full contact details for a list of businesses. So imagine you're starting off with a spreadsheet where each row represents a business. Uh, it's just a text, the name of a business. And let's assume that this list was generated from maybe an event that your company put on uh, and you collected it from you know, attendees. Uh, and your company wants to take that data and create a database out of there for your, for your sales leads. So for each business, what you'll do is you'll create a hit that asks a worker, you know, find the contact page URL for, let's say, in this company, NGENX LLC, for instance. Now, 
the fact that there could be other many companies name in GenX LLC, uh, or it could be many pages that could be potentially uh, the contact page. Uh, in this case, we decided to ask multiple workers uh, in order to you know, submit this. So we're gonna ask three workers, we're gonna create three assignments um, in order to, uh, to get this. So once the workers have you know, submitted their, uh, their answers, we'll take a look at kind of the best two out of three, kind of uh, majority rules here. Is, and this is a answer, very popular answer consolidation strategy uh, where you know, it's called plurality or majority votes. So you kind of take the consensus and take that as the answer. So in this case, you have a pretty good understanding of who, what the URL is. So now you create a, a new hit where basically you have the URL and you're asking the worker now to go to the URL and fill in all the details you want to know, such as uh, the contact, the business name, phone number, hours of operation, and, and other kinds of details. So in this example, Considering that you're gonna have workers fill in a lot of information, you know, for different kinds of fields, uh, asking multiple workers to do that and trying to figure out like, hey, well, the business name is right, but the phone number is wrong, it's gonna be very difficult to you know, use plurality uh, from before. And so in this case, they decide, you know, we're gonna ask one worker, one assignment, to just go and do the hard work of going to the site and filling it in. Now, once the worker's done, the next task is, hey, let's create a hit, where now I'm gonna kind of, kind of create, give you the URL of that business, give you all the information the previous worker has submitted, and ask a different worker that is part of, you know, has a qualification to be the validator, uh, to be able to look at that and uh, verify that it's correct and make any small corrections, which is a much faster process. So in this case, we're gonna ask one assignment, one worker that has a qualification, and making sure that they weren't able to do kind of the, the first task um, as well. You want someone different to do that. When that's submitted, you have your, your result for your database. So in this step here, design tasks, you'll be designing the hit for workers. And so Mtrack gives you a lot of flexibility uh, to design your tasks using HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. You can go from a very simple form-based uh, task to ask workers to go to a site and you know, fill in um, all the fields you're looking for, to a very sophisticated web application to perform complex tasks like drawing bounding boxes around uh, items of interest in a given image. Mtrick will own hosting your client code and serve it to workers. Your task will appear on the worker website in an iframe, which also gives you even more flexibility where you can host the task interface on your own servers if you have that type of setup already um, available. A very important part of your task design is the instructions. You want your instructions to be short, clear, and concise. And don't assume the worker has any context on your task. Remember, workers are demographically diverse, and they could be from anywhere in the world. So you want to avoid you know, using terms that have cultural bias or assume the worker is aware of you know, the, the, the nature of the industry that you're in. So for a good example of soccer versus football, right? keep your instructions simple, as workers can oftentimes be overloaded and overlook details when there are complex pages instructions, like what um, uh, Andy mentioned. A good practice is to then complete the task yourself. Right? This helps you validate that. Did you miss any you know, key steps? Um, another good idea is to ask someone else on your team uh, to do the task as well. And this can help mitigate any hidden context, things that you, you knew off the top of your head but someone else may not know. You should also time yourself doing this task. Is this you can come with approximation of the average time to completion, um, and this will help you figure out the appropriate reward uh, to set for your workers. These workers generally think, like what they've mentioned, in hours, uh, in dollars per, uh, per hour. Uh, and that's how they think about it, uh, the work compared to other requesters. 
And lastly, you should test your test design across multiple browsers if you think that's going to be an issue. You know, workers use a variety of browsers, screen resolutions, and devices to complete tasks. So we provide a, a sandbox environment where it's, it's exactly Mechanical Turk, but it's not in production, meaning it's using real public workers, where you can test your end-to-end -end flow, uh, and where public workers aren't able to kind of really you know, touch your task, uh, and then not be charged for any rewards or fees. So it's kind of a test, test bed to go end-to-end. So the next step here is setting the workforce where you're specifying who gets to work on your task. So as mentioned earlier, you can use qualifications to determine which workers uh, can work on your tasks. Qualifications are assigned to workers along with a qualification score. So you can specify that a worker must not only have a certain qualification, but also have a score that meets a threshold that you set. You can also specify multiple qualifications that all have to be met in order for a worker to, to work on your task. You can also use qualifications that are assigned by MTurk. So for instance, there are experience-based quals, such as number of approved hits or overall approval rate. So you can limit your tasks to workers that have been approved for 2,000 hits and a rate of 98%. Uh, there are also locale-based quals. So you can limit it to US-based workers uh, or workers residing in a certain state. You also have access to a variety of demographic uh, qualifications, such as age, gender, and education level. Now, requesters are also able to define your own custom qualifications and assign it to workers along with a score. So you're able to assign, unassign, change a score as you see fit based on how you manage your workforce. You can use qualifications to be inclusive where workers must possess the qualification in order to work on your task. Or you can also use it in a uh, exclusion manner where if a worker has a qualification, they cannot work on this task. So this, this comes in handy when you're doing things like a verification task where uh, the person doing the task can't be the person verifying it. Or other cases where you find workers that just aren't very good at doing this particular task, but they may be good at doing other ones, so you can give them this qualification so they don't do that one task that they're, they're, they're really poor at. So qualifications overall offers a very powerful mechanism to give you a lot of control over your workflows and who gets to do what. So now you've designed your tasks and you define your workforce, you're ready to load this work into Turk. So you have generally two options to do this. One option is to use the requester UI. It's a request website, which gives a UI to load your tasks. So when you use the UI, you should think of it as a, you're designing a task interface, that you, just like the, the way you designed earlier, as a template, where it takes input parameters to configure the template for a given task. So let's say, you know, previous example, extract contact information uh, from a company's contact page URL. And so in this case, the input parameter would be a URL of the, of the, of the contact page. And so the requester site allows you to upload a CSV where each row represents you know, your input data, so each row would contain your URLs. And what MTurk, the site, will do is essentially combine it together, merge together with your template, and load those tasks into uh, Mechanical Turk. So think of it as how mail merge works in Microsoft Word. So with the requester website, you'll be getting tasks completed in the concept of batches, so you can load, like, Here's a CSV of 1,000 uh, URLs, and you get 1,000 hits that are created for you in a batch. The other option is to use the requester APIs to load the hits programmatically. So developers can all mTurk APIs with the AWS SDKs and that are available across several languages and platforms, as well as the AWS command line tools. This can give you a great deal of flexibility on how you want to integrate your systems with mTurk, where you can process hits in batches, or you can also do things in real time. 
So after the hits are in the enter marketplace, workers will use the worker website, uh, will define your tasks, they'll complete them. As workers submit the results uh, to mTurk, you can review the progress and download the results. So as with our previous uh, example, you can do it two ways. You can use it with the requester website, provides a UI, you can see the progress of your batch of tasks. When the batch of tasks uh, is completed, you can download the results as a CSV that you can then process offline. The CSV will contain data associated with the hits, uh, where each row represents an assignment, and so you'll contain uh, what the worker submitted as the answer. Plus, you'll also get other useful metadata, like the worker ID, uh, when they accepted the task, and when they submitted the task. You can also use the API to download the results. And so mTrick also supports SNS notifications, so when a hit state has changed, you're able to trigger off of that. So for instance, if, it, if all the assignments for a given hit have been completed, uh, you'll make it easier for requesters to process those answers immediately and kick off a, a downstream, another different workflow in kind of real time and not have to wait for the, all the original batch to be done. So now we've gone through all those steps. We're down to the refinement. So you went through one iteration. So how do we refine this? So first, you want to analyze the results to assess for quality. So many requests manually review uh, the first batches, and then they move on to advanced techniques such as statistical sampling uh, to assess the quality of the batch, or they use other data uh, analysis techniques to find outliers or, or correlations. So in most cases, TAS and MTurk generally follow a 80-20 uh, rule, where 20% of workers complete 80% of the, of the work. So if you discover that your quality is low, you may want to assess whether is it the instructions or is it an isolated set of workers that are performing poorly. You know, common best practice is to test with gold standard hits. I think both Dave and Andy kind of mentioned that, that concept. So gold standards are tasks where you know the answer already, and you can load them all up front, or you can kind of interleave them with your tasks you need to get done to help you kind of assess the overall data quality and how workers are doing, and if they're doing a good job. So while workers are working your hits, you may be contacted by them via mTurk. So if they have any questions, or they want to provide you with any feedback, so you want to pay attention to the email sent to your requester email address. So workers are often very diligent, uh, and they want to help new requesters improve their hits and make sure that workers are doing the right thing. So best practice is to sometimes include a, uh, a free-form feedback field that workers can optionally fill in when they submit their work to indicate either feedback on all the hits themselves or that specific assignment they're working on. There are also several popular external forums where uh, insights where MTRIC workers congregate and they share best practices, as well as discuss and rate requesters and their hits. So these are great sources of information to understand how workers feel about your tasks. It will help you design better hits and be a better requester. So after reviewing your results and feedback provided by workers, you can go back and update your instructions in the task design to help workers complete your tasks accurately and efficiently. So oftentimes, by making small tweaks to your hit design, you may save a worker a few seconds of effort per task. So it'll increase their, you know, how much they can earn per hour, um, and all of a sudden your throughput goes up, but without you having to change the reward. A best practice of instructions to uh, provide a good, good and bad examples of what to do, what not to do, as well as adding FAQs that, uh, for frequently uh, commonly asked questions. Many requests provide an external link to the instructions as well as FAQ, so they can update it in real time. Or they provide links to a forum that allows uh, workers to ask questions where they can interact with them and have everyone be able to see kind of the responses. 
So from your early analysis results, you probably have useful data on your workers that you want to incorporate into your workforce management process. You may want to assign qualifications of these scores for workers to identify your best workers and direct more work to them. Or you can add workers who perform poorly to a, a qual exclusion qualification, like a blacklist, to prevent them from working on your task. You may adjust the thresholds of MTurk's uh, experience-based qualifications to require workers with more experience to increase accuracy or less experience to improve throughput. And lastly, you have to understand how long workers actually take to complete your tasks. You can change the reward to get the desired uh, quality and throughput. Just like what Andy said, uh, mentioned earlier, the higher you pay, uh, the higher the quality and the higher the throughput as your work becomes more attractive to the best workers uh, in the marketplace. So to conclude, using MTRIC for business process automation, is, it's an iterative process. You're constantly finding ways to improve the quality, costs, and throughput. So both Andy and Dave discuss how they got desires off of several kind of iterations. So everyone's experience will be different. However, MTRIC provides with many tools and mechanisms to uh, control your process. And as mentioned by all of us, um, the most important thing to keep in mind is that MTRIC workers are people, just like you and I. Right? They are motivated more than just money, and they want to be treated fairly, and they want to do good work. So the more that you can think of this as a human process and less of a purely technical one, the more success you'll have with MTurk. So hopefully right after this, go to www.mturk.com to get started, learn all about MTurk. And a couple of other sessions that we have here, the first one is coming up on Wednesday is kind of more of an intro, uh, more of a broader thing for MTurk and how it's used. So that could be of interest for anyone that's new to MTurk here. Uh, we also have a workshop on how do you use MTurk to uh, collect data. And we also have a chalk talk, uh, more of human loop in, in how to integrate that with your machine learning. Thank you, everybody, Thank you very much. And we've heard a big survey.